The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you joining online. We're glad you're here today. Happy Palm Sunday. Day Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and he had danger on his mind. I mean, it's a time that he got the most dangerous is that last week and he rode in a town, suffered on the cruel cross of Calvary. Hell thought it was winning, but the whole time it was forcing, is being forced to back up. And ultimately the Lord would use um, the event of the crucifixion and the resurrection to transform humanity. And the secret of the kingdom being um, active in our lives and us staying in this place of uh, really being passionate about following Jesus. And if you don't stay there, I'm just going to tell you, Christianity is not fun. If you don't stay in a place of passion, Christianity, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like being in a bad marriage. <laughs> this is nagging. Like, that's what it feels like. But when you're passionate about your uh, relationship with the Lord and things are working in the way that they should, man, they're, like it is, a, it is a wonderful experience where the Lord continues to move in your life. So for us that are believers, man, we want to stay in this place where we're keeping the things of the kingdom stirred up. And so when we talk about danger or being dangerous with our lives, we're saying that our presence is problematic for hell. And that when we show up, hell backs up. And we need to believe and think this way. Or it's not going to be a reality in our lives. There are some things that we have to be intentional with. We have to believe that, that in my uh, family, I'm going to position myself where when I show up in a situation, I'm, I'm forcing hell to move back. And so as a father, I want to think that way to my when I'm interacting with my kids, but I also like for us to really get movement as a family, my kids need to think that way too. And if we are together um, in the name of Christ gathered around that idea, then in our relationships, we can force hell back. Now, if only one of us does, it becomes a little bit more difficult, but still so for the parents, it is our job to be thinking in that capacity. How am I going to be on the offensive, not on the defensive? We don't want to be in that situation uh, that we see a lot of times teams get in when they get a big lead, they start playing not to lose instead of continuing to play to win. And that could be a very difficult thing uh, to be in, in in our faith as we want to understand, man, we are on the offensive. We're trying to move forward. We're conquering territory uh, for the king. And so when we show up, hell backs up is what we want to be believing in our life. And, and when people start uh, attending our fellowship, man, and when, the, when people start coming as they are coming, we add another service for Easter, man, have to keep that thing, Right. Folks looking around, uh, I, see, I kept seeing people come up on the front row, and I thought, man, well, they just want to be close to me. And then I get up here, and I'm like, no, they didn't have a place to sit, right? <laughs> and so anyway, uh, you know, we, we, we see people coming, and we want to be on the offensive even in other people's lives because as we expose people to truth and we continue to be committed to teaching the Word of God, then what happens is people are exposed to that truth and hell is starting to back up in their lives as more and more exposure to the truth of the gospel is impacting them. And so today we're going to look at a guy's life that we've been talking about since week one. Um, the Apostle Paul was one of the most dangerous dudes in the New Testament. 
Testament. Uh, we know Jesus was um, the dangerous, per- most dangerous person to ever live before hell. And we know that when we look at Paul, like there certainly are other apostles and disciples that did incredible things in the kingdom, but we know a lot about the apostle Paul. He wrote a lot. Um, he teaches us a lot about how to follow uh, the Lord. And, and, and so uh, the apostle Paul lived this way. He lived in such a way that hell had to back up when he showed up. So we look at Acts chapter 9. That's what we're going to be unpacking today and give you a few takeaways that hopefully will help you to walk away from this place and and think to yourself, I'm going to be dangerous this week, man. I'm going to go into situations and think of myself as a dangerous person for hell, that hell doesn't think it's safe for me to be around. Like we got a lot of churches where <laughs> nobody's happier for some of the churches that exist in our planet than hell is, because they're not doing anything. Um, a lot of Christians that are living in that capacity. So we don't want to be that church, right? We want to be a church where we're focused on the Lord calling us consistently into new places of obedience. He's the king. He says, setting up a kingdom. He wants to conquer new territory, and that territory is the lives of people, And so he uses us as servants within the kingdom to advance his agenda here on the planet. He's been doing it for 2,000 years. And we see the way that it started was in the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 19, we see Paul living a very dangerous lifestyle. And he says that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? He said, John's baptism. They replied, and Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the name of the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. And here's the first thing that we learn. Dangerous people focus on belief, okay? If we're going to be dangerous people, we have to focus on belief. Paul believed he was dangerous. You need to believe that you are dangerous. I need to believe that I'm dangerous. I need to believe that God is going to use me in that way. I need to believe that when I come in on a Sunday morning, the Lord is going to bring the people he wants into the um, church, and he's going to use me to teach them. And I'm believing that it's not just my ability to communicate, but through the foolishness of preaching, Paul says, that through the power and demonstration of the Spirit, God is going to penetrate the hearts of the people listening, and something miraculous is going to happen and transforming people's lives, not because of me, but because I'm just believing that the Lord will use me and the Lord is showing up and you're believing that you're going to receive something and that's why you come and you come and you're challenged from the word and somehow through that transaction of the uh, truth coming out and penetrating people's lives and the spirit ministering, then something happens and hell has to back up. But it doesn't happen if I just believe I'm doing some religious um, experience that I'm just going to teach you something uh, 
cool and historical about the Bible. That's not what this is. This is about you and your journey with Jesus and what it means for you to lay your life down and experience transformation in your life and walk out your obedience and see the hand of God moving in your life. There's something a whole lot different that is supposed to be going on in this this experience of being a believer and a follower of Christ. I'm laying down my life and the Lord is calling me to a place of newness constantly. And that never stops. And if it does stop, then again, we drift off into it feeling like religion and that's not the way Jesus intended for it to work. He said, it is a life of abundance. It's something springing up within me. It is a wellspring of life. Not only that I drink from, but it's flowing so freely in my life that others are drinking from my life as well until they learn how the wellspring comes up in their own lives. And so dangerous people focus on belief. They believe that about themselves. They believe that they are dangerous for Christ. That's essential. But he also focused on what other people believed. I think this is essential. This is where it gets a little bit more risky. He intentionally looks for someone to ask questions about belief, where we have been conditioned that we don't talk about religion. What? Well, we don't talk about religion, but we ought to be talking about a relationship that we have with the creator of the universe. And we ought to be believing that God is using us to do that. And we ought to be concerned about what the people around us believe. What do my kids' friends believe? And if they don't believe the way that we believe, are my kids influencing their friends or are their friends influencing my kids? Because if their friends are influencing my kid, then my kid is allowing hell to back their lives up instead of backing hell up in their friends' lives. And it's time for me as a father to say, ex nay on those friends. You say, well, they might get mad at me. I don't care. I'm not your buddy. I'm your dad and I'm your, your pastor and my job is to make sure you're dangerous and the more dangerous you become, the more freedom I can give you and release you out there on your friends. I would hope that you could, I could trust you to go anywhere because you're showing you're so respond. Do you feel like you're getting preached out right now? Because I'm, I'm laying it down hard, man. It's for all of us though, right? But I want to be able to trust my kids that they can, I can send them out into a broken world and I don't have to worry about them, that hell has to worry about them. You see, that's, that's the way we want to live is that we're just, we, we see the hand of God moving in our lives. And so Paul, man, he, he's concerned about what other people believe. And he doesn't have a, an isolationist mindset. He has a dangerous mindset. And the first thing he asks him, he says, uh, what do you know about the Holy Spirit? Like nothing. We don't know anything. And so then he's like, well, what about your baptism? And they're like, well, we were baptized um, by John. We, we were baptized into a baptism of repentance. And then he starts to move hell back in their lives. Now, how does he do that? He tells them this is not right. He's like, that's religion, man. John said that when he came, that he would baptize you with water, but the one that followed him would baptize you with fire. You guys are still walking in the water and you need to learn how to be a fire. (laughs) That's what he says to them. 
And so they're like, well, tell us about this. And he tells them. And, and they, um, we see that it's a furthering of the gospel moving beyond the Jewish people out into the Gentile world. And they receive the Holy Spirit. And it is confirmed by them speaking in tongues and being able to prophesy themselves. And so these 12 guys, Paul starts discipling and shaping. And, and he's ministering to them. But he's saying to them, man, like there's a proper way to believe things. There's a, there's a right belief and there's a wrong belief. And I care about what you believe. Leave. And so he doesn't know these guys. He's just, he just knows that God has led him there. And all of a sudden, they're talking about belief. And so he's focused on what he believes. He believes he's dangerous as he goes into a place. And he is concerned about what other people believe. And, and, and a lot of people would teach, well, this is a baptism of the Spirit. And, and so this happens. You know, you can be saved and be a Christian, and then you're baptized in the Spirit. That's not right. These guys say clearly they don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. And Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you are not a believer. You're just a religious person. And there is a big difference. There's a big difference. Uh, you, you can see when one, person, when one person has the spirit of the Lord living in them, you recognize a fire and a passion about their life. And if you don't have the spirit, um, there are two the possibilities when you see that. One, you see their fire and you have the fire as well. And so your fire burns hotter when you're with that person. If you don't have the fire, there's something in you that goes, there's something missing in my life that that person has. I don't know what it is. It's Jesus, man. It's the spirit of the Lord. That's all it is. And there is a spirit of religion that exists in the world. And there is a spirit of the Lord that exists in the world. And, and hell loves the spirit of religion and hates the spirit of Jesus because hell can't do anything about the spirit of the Lord. But religion belongs to hell. That's why there are so many of them. They're everywhere. And as long as they take you away from the creator of the universe, even if they're called Christianity, if it's religion, it's religion and it's broken. Like relationship with the creator of the universe, a personal experiential knowledge of Christ being transformed by the Lord, the old man dying, the new man raised to life in Christ. That's the difference between religion and relationship. And, and we want to be a dangerous church that's filled with dangerous people that are being dangerous for hell and walking out that relationship with Christ. And so we, we, Paul shares the gospel with these people. The lights come on. That's what happens when you encounter the spirit of the Lord. He illuminates things. And all of a sudden, man, the, the gospel starts to make sense. You recognize you're a sinner. You recognize that you are broken. You are helpless in your sin. You're offensive to God. And there's nothing you can do. There's no religious activity that you can engage in that would make you right with Jesus. You recognize that. The lights come on and you're like, well, what do I do? You also recognize that Jesus did everything on the cross of Calvary and you receive him. You take him as Lord and Savior. You join his kingdom. You become a servant and you're willing to lose your life for the sake of the kingdom. You lay your life down and you find your life in Christ and all of a sudden you come alive. 
and the spirit of God because of your recognition of your sin and your recognition and awareness that you can't do anything to fix your uh, sin problem. Only the creator of the universe can do it. And he sent, um, he came himself in the form of Jesus, became a man, died on the cross of Calvary, rose from the dead. And now I place my faith and my trust in that. My sin is fixed. My heart is changed. My mind is illuminated. The word starts to make sense in ways that it never did before. I have a hunger to read the Bible. I have a desire to walk in obedience. I have a desire to flee from sin. And hell starts getting really nervous about me. Because now I'm not doing it for, to, I'm not doing it because I care what you think. I don't care what you think. And you shouldn't care what the person next to you thinks. What you should care about is what Jesus thinks. That's the only thing that matters. And when you start caring that way, then you start helping each other and you quit judging one another and we start walking in this powerful um, experience where the Lord starts moving in our midst and hell starts to retreat in the environments that we are going into. And that's the objective of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so these guys were close to Jesus, but they didn't know him until they were taught more truth about what the gospel actually is. And they received the gospel, they came alive and Christ, and now they were dangerous too. Paul was dangerous because he cared about who belonged to Jesus. And that's why he asked about the belief. And you and I, we will be dangerous when we care about who does or does not belong to Jesus. It'll shift the way we live. It'll, it'll change the activities we engage in. It becomes the most important thing to us. And everything that we're doing now starts to be surrounded with this question, who belongs to Jesus and who doesn't? Who doesn't know what I know and who needs to be released from their sin and, 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 and enjoy this peace with God that I have? Who, who can share in this? And that's a dangerous lifestyle. Well, then he goes on in verse eight through 10. And he says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God, but some of them became obstinate. And they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them and he took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. This is a very important characteristic of a dangerous lifestyle. Dangerous people get comfortable being uncomfortable. We live in a society, even the church tries to make us comfortable. You can't build a church these days without a coffee bar and a big lobby and nice, soft, cushy seats and make sure the worship is perfect and you got a good place to put your kids and me, 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 me. So we, we, we say, well, we, we're going to not preach a word that, that offends anybody. We're not going to teach the word. I Listen, again, I'm just going to tell you unapologetically, I don't care if I offend anybody in here. What I care about is I offend Jesus. Like, and, and then the, the word, the word, man, I read the word sometimes. I'll read something and I'm reading it and it just slaps. It doesn't care if it offends me. Thank God that it doesn't care that it offends me or I probably wouldn't be married today. It offends me and how I try to live sometimes as a husband. And when it does that and I listen to it and it convicts me through the power of the Holy Spirit and I yield to it, then I begin to love my wife like Christ loves the church, not like Jimmy loves himself. You see, 
All the time the Lord is speaking to me and we need that. We need that truth to be dropped on us because it is what helps us to walk in a place of freedom with the Lord because the more that we can recognize where we're resisting from the Lord and we repent of that and we yield to the Lord, the more freedom that rolls out in our lives and the more dangerous we become because we start getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And we, we're not afraid to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations because we recognize that it is my discomfort when I'm trusting the Lord. You see, Paul said when we, we started this and we, we started there um, in Hebrews and the writer of Hebrews said that it is impossible to please God without faith. Well, what is faith? Faith is the evidence of things uh, hoped for, things not, or evidence of things not seen. So faith is when I'm walking according to things that I cannot see instead of living my life according to things that I can see. Now think about what you can see. You can see the possessions that you have. You can see the food that you want to eat. You can see the clothes that you want to buy. You can see all of this stuff. But what you cannot see is the unseen world, which is a spiritual world. When we are going to please God is when we don't let the things that we can see dictate how we surrender to the things that we cannot see. Rather, we let the things we cannot see dictate how we choose to engage the things we can see. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight, is we're walking this life out and we recognize that getting in that situation usually puts me in a place that makes me feel uncomfortable. If you're just comfortable today and you're not taking, if you are not afraid of anything that you're doing that the Lord has asked you to do, you're comfortable and cozy and there's no movement happening in your life and you're safe for hell. When you show up at a party, hell is like, glad you came. But when you know that you're taking risks and you know that you're listening to what God has called you to and you're uncomfortable some air in some areas of your life and you show up, then hell is, it doesn't want you there. Hell doesn't want you to show up in places because when you show up, you are now showing up with a certain amount of power that is going to change what is happening in the environment that you have entered because you represent the presence of God himself. Dangerous people get comfortable with being uncomfortable. We see here what, what was uncomfortable for Paul. Well, first of all, it says he was bold. To be bold, you have to say something bold. And to say something bold, it has to be in a situation where someone would say, well, that was bold for you to say that. Well, that means that you had to be afraid before you said what you said. So you're always going to be afraid of saying what needs to be said. And that's what's going to make you uncomfortable. And you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Otherwise, you're never going to say anything. You're anemic and you're a dead Christian. And Paul says, wake up, church. It won't work. It won't produce the fruit of the spirit to be asleep at the will. All it will cause is a wreck. And, and so like we, we start to walk this out. We have to be bold. Sometimes it calls for boldness. We have to be persuasive. We don't want to just be bold. We don't want to be bold and just make people mad. We want to be persuasively bold. When we say something bold, we want it to have a certain amount of power in it and then a certain amount of persuasion where it causes a person to think. We're not looking just to offend people. We're looking to show people that, man, something has happened in my life that has brought about an incredible amount of meaning and purpose. And so we're 
persuasive as well as bold. And what happens is we reproduce. It says here that Paul, all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Paul was reproducing his life. He first started with these first guys and he talked to them about the baptism of John and the baptism of Jesus. There were 12 of those guys that came into the kingdom. He took those 12 guys, discipled them and started discipling others along the way as he continued to focus on his belief and the belief of other people and stuff started reproducing all around him. But here's the fourth one, and we can't miss it. I got to be honest with you. (laughs) The reason we won't do the first three is because of the fourth, Paul was maligned. It's the Greek word kakalego, and it means publicly insulted. And that's the thing that terrifies the believer into keeping him from letting other people know he's a believer. What if they malign me? What if they do? That's the problem. You know what? I'm kind of I'm coming out of this place. We we've been taught then, and that we've I, there's some truth to this being sensitive to people who are seeking. But the fact of the matter is, our country is in a mess. It is in a complete mess, and it is broken. And I'm tired of giving people a pass. I don't want to be the guy on the corner with a bullhorn saying turn or burn, but I'm not going to be afraid of being the guy who's on the pickleball court that does know something about the Lord. And I don't care if I make you feel like you don't know that I know something because you need to feel it if you don't know it. You need to know that I have something that you don't have. And I don't want you to feel that way in judgment. I want you to know so that you believe. And if you malign me, so what? Johnson County has more pickleball players than any other city in the country. That's what they said in the report. So, so even in that, like I, I want to look and go, man, it doesn't matter if you malign me. If you malign me, I don't need to spend time with you. You reject me and just move on because I'm concerned about pushing hell back in people's lives. I'm not concerned about being comfortable and cozy and spending all my time with this person, that person, or the other person. I'm trying to accomplish something for, with my life for as long as that I have to live. What I try to use to motivate me and what I'm trying us to be as a church is how cool will it be to touch people with the gospel? You die, cross over to the other side, and like in Hebrews, it says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You are a witness that is looking down on people that you impacted who are doing the same things with their life that you did. We're all going to die, man. We're all going to die. If we don't get serious about how we live, that can be terrifying. But if we understand that death is just a passageway to the other side. I'm just crossing over. That death is really going home. Then we're not afraid of anything, even people rejecting us. We have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. During this time that Paul did this, the church in Colossae was founded, the church in Heropolis, and most likely the seven churches of Revelation were founded and started during this period. Paul showed up and hell backed out of Asia. (laughs) 
What would happen to our city if we just really get serious and we believe that, hey, man, the church, the church isn't just growing um, just, you know, just a little bit and we're okay with that. But we really believe, man, that the Lord is going to arm us and we're going to shift our city and back hell out of Johnson County a little bit. We're going to back alcoholism up. We're going to back suicide up. We're going to back drug addiction up. Why? Because we are seeing people come alive in Christ. That's what happens when we believe the Lord will show up and use us. Verses 11 and 12, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him um, were taken back to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. There was such a power and move of the Lord happening in the apostle Paul, man, that, that, that they were able to use his clothes and God was just moving in that. Where's the power today? Dangerous people experience the power of Jesus. And and so that means that when I become dangerous, I'm going to experience his power. And when you become dangerous, you're going to experience his power. And this is important because the power of the Lord is where our comfort comes from when we're uncomfortable. So we can put ourselves in an uncomfortable situation that feels a little bit terrifying. And we know the Lord has created this moment and we can step into it and and, and we feel a little afraid of it. But all of a sudden, the power of the Lord shows up in the midst. And because of that, we're comforted, even though it was uncomfortable when we first stepped in there. We see this over and over. We see the fire of God showing up in situations, calling people to obedience and that power resting upon them. And so when that power is running in our lives, and we are listening to that power. We are listening to the voice of the Lord. We're in the word, we're praying, we're thinking about the Lord. He starts drawing us to different places and then he starts manifesting his power in our lives and we are comforted when we see his power and what it does is it transforms us because we're like, I wanna get a little more uncomfortable. I want to see the Lord move in a little bit different way. And, and I want to be afraid. I want to be afraid that, that maybe things won't work out because I know that that's when the Lord does his best work. But I don't want to just be co- cozy. <laughs> I want to trust that the Lord is going to lead me into scary places because I'm a dangerous per- person. And when I go into those scary places and I take a risk for him, his power is going to manifest itself and hell is going to move back and heaven is going to move in. And, and, and so why? why? You say, look at the Old Testament. What do we know about the Old Testament? How God interacted with the chosen people of Israel. There was this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. They put in there the stone tablets that the Ten Commandments were written on. They, they put other significant things in there. This thing was to represent the presence of God. God's presence was in the Ark of the Covenant. When they finally built the temple, and we see this all the time, the fire of God would rest on the Ark of the Covenant. So fire is always representing um, God. And so here's the Ark of the Covenant. But when we get to the New Testament, Jesus on the cross of Calvary, he dies and he utters seven different things as he's there being crucified. And one of them is to tell us die. It is finished. It is paid for, paid in full. The debt that humanity owed no longer um, is owed. If people will believe in me, their debt is paid. There was a veil in the temple. There was a giant curtain. It was rent in two when Jesus said to tell us die. Behind the veil was the... 
uh, where the presence of, of God and where they would keep the Ark of the Covenant. And so it was called the Holy of Holies. When this veil was written to what it said to everybody present that God was now approachable. Paul says the temple of the Holy Spirit is our body. And so now when I call upon the name of the Lord and I am saved, my body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the Ark of God. You as a believer are the ark of God. We carry him. When we sh- that's why hell has to back up. It's not Jimmy showing up, and it's not one of you showing up. When we go into a place, it's Jesus showing up. That's why we're called the body of Christ. And that's why it's so powerful for us to gather. And Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with you in, their, in, in the midst. It's because you are an ark of God. I am an ark of God. We are the fire of the Lord as we have been transformed by the Holy Spirit. And so we're not walking according to religion. We're walking according to the fire of the Lord. When we embrace with one another and you bring your fire and I bring my fire, it's just more of Jesus. And the hotter it gets in that passion and that love and that, that, that truth, the more attractional it is. And people start to see it. And that's why Jesus said, it's a city on a hill. You're a light, let it shine. Burn for me is what he's saying. Burn for me. Don't be afraid of putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation because there I will be with you and my power will manifest itself and my power is what will comfort you when you are uncomfortable. But don't expect to call on my power if you stay in a comfortable, cozy place. Why? Because you don't need him. What do you need him to show up for if you're not doing anything for the kingdom? Why would he? That's why he says he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. And the more that we can walk this out, the more power that will manifest itself in our lives. Well, here's a funny part of the story as we finish up in verses 13 through 20. It says, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. And they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. And when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. In the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. And many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. And a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Here's what we learned from that. Paul's story was dangerous. It was so dangerous that people were hearing about what he was doing. It was a stranger time when evil was able to function in a lot more simple way. 
I think that as we've become more sophisticated as a, as a, a species, as hu- human beings, I think evil has become more sophisticated as well. It used to be that um, it was really common for demon possession. Certainly demon possession happens today. I, don't, I believe that still goes on, but it's more sophisticated. In some places in the world, it may be as simple as what we're seeing here, but I think it was pretty common for it to be as simple as it was manifesting itself in this day and age. But when the light of the gospel hit and people started coming alive in truth, evil had to get a lot more deceptive. <laughs> and so now, now the demonic control is hiding behind substances and, 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 and different things that, that uh, lust of the eyes and pornography and all this other kind of stuff that it, it gets behind it. And it's much more sophisticated than what it was in this story. But either way, we're still dealing with the same thing. It's evil. It's wicked when it is apart from the Lord. And we have to find ways to be able to overcome it through the power of Christ instead of it um, forcing people to back up. When we're walking in the power of Christ, we're forcing this evil to back up. Well, these guys heard about what Paul was doing and they were like, man, this, and, and they were kind of mixed up in some sorcery and, and witchcraft and other stuff. And, and so they are like, man, we know this dude over here in this house. They know something about him that, that there's seven of these brothers. They hear about it and say, well, let's go over there and let's, you know, let's see if we can work a little Ouija board magic on it. And they get a little nervous. And so then they say, in the name of Paul, who uh, preaches Jesus, we command you. And the evil spirit says, I know who Paul is and I know who Jesus is, but I don't know jack about you. And then he just violently attacks these guys. And and so this is a human being that's overcome with a supernatural power and say, well, how does he rip rip their clothes off? Well, they weren't wearing Levi's, you know? (laughs) He ripped the robes off. These guys running down the street without their outer garments on, looking like idiots because they were claiming to know something they had no clue about because they knew about Jesus. They weren't in relationship with him. They knew about religion. So just these, his, the, Paul's story, these guys, the, 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 the evilness, the evil that existed there was aware of Paul. It recognized his power and authority because Paul, when he showed up, he was walking with Jesus and he forced hell to back up. And evil will recognize our power and authority and lack thereof. So Paul's story was dangerous. Your story is dangerous. And that's the big idea of today's talk. But you don't get to go and begin to speak <laughs> and, and cause evil to retreat in your life by saying, well, I go to OPCC. Who cares? He's like, well, I may know Jimmy and I know, you know, whoever. I know Grant and I know this person or that person. But who are you? It doesn't matter where you go to church. It doesn't matter that you know somebody else who walks in power and authority. What matters is you. Do you walk in the power and authority and the freedom of the gospel? As a young person, do you see yourself as you're preparing yourself for the rest of your life to back hell up because you belong to Jesus? You see, there's only two possibilities when it comes to our faith in Christ. Either you belong to Jesus or Jesus belongs to you. And Jesus doesn't belong to you. We're the servants. He has all of us. He is Lord and Savior. 
And what we've done in the American church is we just want him as savior. We just want the fire insurance in case the house burns down. The house is burning. And he's more than insurance. He is Lord and Savior. And if you just try to walk with him as Savior and you keep him loosely over here, as I know Jesus can do those things, but he's not doing them in my life, you're going to end up living a very broken and fractured and frustrated life. But when you start walking in the power of the Lord, you will come and burn your scrolls that have nothing to do with Jesus. And it won't matter how much they cost. You don't want to have anything to do with them because you've tasted the truth and it has set you free. And Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Dangerous people are free and safe people are walking around in grave clothes. Folks, as we walk away from this place, get a vision of yourself being dangerous for the Lord and let his power roll out of your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for calling us to a place of really excitement. It's not a dead faith. It's not a dead religion that we are alive in you. And you call us to a place of obedience where it's, it is frightening, Lord. It's a little scary, but we're thankful that you show up in those places. And that you, you call us to a place of meaning and joy. And, and it doesn't matter what we're doing or where we're going. We recognize, Lord, it's all about you. And it brings such meaning and purpose in our lives to all of the things that we're engaged in. And may we be the kind of people that force hell to back up merely by our presence of showing up wherever that may be, in a relationship, in a room, um, at work, Lord, use us as only you can. We love you and we thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.